Good morning, day or night, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Survive and Drive podcast. Today we are discussing the beginning of the 2023 Formula One season. This is your favorite source of American-based F1 conversation, presented by me, Alex, and my co-host, Tyler. Let's race into it. Well, we're back. We it's, are. Uh, it's been a little while. We were, we were pretty busy this past month, so uh, we're recapping Australia now and Baku. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, for recording time's sake, the Baku one wasn't wasn't very interesting. So yeah, it wasn't a lot going on. You know, we we'll get into it. I think the race was a little bit more dull than we were expecting. And yeah, as we talked about, I think that and even last year, what we talked about was that 2020 season and race and 2021 race even were yeah were really awesome races. And the past two have been eh. Yeah, I'd say eh. Yeah. This is definitely probably the worst one of all the Baku ones we've had. Yeah, with the so most on track action too. The way that the the weekend was formatted. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. But I think we go ahead and start with the Australian recap. Yeah. Uh, I think we're gonna do maybe a little higher level here and just kind of touch on the important points. Um, you want to get us started with that? Yeah. So I think the kind of the you know starting off with the the race there. I think the biggest surprise of the weekend for everyone was the Mercs. Starting two three mm-hmm. uh, on merit. Obviously, you had uh, Perez go out and qualifying, putting it in the gravel, and starting in eleventh, I think. But yeah, um, you know, you had George P two, Lewis P three to start, and then right at the start of the race, you had them both because obviously they have nothing to lose in the championship this year. Both of them got past Max right away and mm-hmm. got a little drama there and there at the beginning. And Merck showed good pace and everything. And then also in the first lap, you had Leclerc put it in the gravel, uh, which was just. It really kind of tied a bow in the start to the season before we got to Baku, obviously, where, you know, he DNF that race, DNF the first race, and before you know it, Charles Leclerc's got 10 points or six points. Yeah. After three races, the lowest he's ever had at Ferrari. So a little bit of drama there at the start, but I think besides that, the story of this race was the red flags. So we had a ton of them. Yeah, a lot of drama surrounding that and the way that the, just the process that, and how it was handled, I think was uh, a little bit not communicated as well i think yeah uh, was the biggest issue and so yeah later on in the race you know we had the the red flags we had the reshuffle the the kind of voided lap but also penalized lap yeah a little weird situation with with carlos signs and uh fernando alonso contact and uh yeah i mean that one kind of drew out throughout the entirety of the the break there yeah i mean that was so for those of you that didn't watch it and catch up on that we had Multiple red flags. The first one, uh, in terms of the drama it created, we had George pit right before it, and he dropped down the seventh. So then Lewis came out on top there because he was in first at the time. Uh, and that was pretty early on, so they got to reset reset the grid and everything. And on the restart, Lewis held the lead for a few laps. Obviously, the Red Bull ended up getting past him because of the pace difference. But um, And then after that, we kind of things kind of settled down for a little while, and then uh, we had Albon put it into the wall. Yep. Um, a wild crash. I mean, he just came around the corner so hot and just blew into the wall. Yeah. Uh, we had a red flag there then, um, which I think many people thought shouldn't have been because his car still could have been towed, and they a lot of people thought maybe a safety car, so that's where we kind of started the red flag drama of, like, why do we have all these red flags? So that was red flag number two. Uh, and we had a restart from there as well, and Max kind of kept Lewis behind there, so it was kind of Max, Lewis, and Fernando um, kind of out in front there, and that kind of stayed consistent. And then we had another red flag at the end, and that's where kind of all the chaos broke out. Uh, we had them restart the grid with, I think, two laps to go. Yeah. And on the restart, signs clipped Alonzo, who hit Stroll. Both the Aston Martins fell all the way to the back, and then you had signs. Uh, you know, stay in fourth place then. And I thought, all right, well, this is how it's going to finish. But then at the end of that thing, both the Alpines crash into each other, which is, I mean, how about Ocon crashing in with his teammate? Yeah, and something we saw again this weekend. Yeah, something we saw this weekend as well. Uh, both the Alpines crash into each other, and then that caused another red flag because it was a pretty pretty big shunt. And then because the lap had not been like, I guess they hadn't even gotten through the first sector yet. They like reset. It's like, you just reset the grid order. Like nothing mm-hmm. happened, Yep. Um, which benefited the Aston Martins big time. Uh, and because they reset it and they, then they did this like a, basically like a safety car, like rolling start out of it. They just rolled through the last lap Yeah. and it just ended. Um, but the, the real drama came when signs got a penalty on that red flag restart for hitting Alonso. 
even though the lap didn't count. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people, you and I too, are confused on it's got to be one way or the other. Either the lap counts and he should have gotten a penalty and then Alonso is, is all the way at the back or the lap doesn't count and there's no penalty. It was also almost a racing incident. Like there's an yeah. argument there for that it shouldn't have been a penalty in the yeah. first place. And so I think that's where it was kind of this compounding factor of the FIA just making worse and worse decisions for signs. Yeah. But I think there, you know, there's a couple of things in that race. Maybe let's hit on them each individually and, and let me get your yeah. opinion here. The first one being, and, and something again, we've seen in Baku with the, the safety flat or the safety cars and the red flags and just the, the, the lean towards extra cautious. Yeah. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on uh, leaning that way? Obviously, safety reasons, it's great. Does it create more drama? Does it create more hazardous situations by the way that they're treated? Yeah. Uh, And how do you feel about that as a viewer? I think maybe as a casual viewer versus uh, a diehard Formula One fan. Yeah, so I think in terms of a... in terms of a casual viewer, I think it's it's exciting, right? Because it's just more chaos, right? Like mm-hmm. if you can, the more grid restarts you have, the more drama you can have. Obviously, a safety car restart creates some, yeah. But they're all starting in a line, and the leader gets to pick when to go and stuff. On a grid restart, you can have chaos, which we saw right away. Yeah. I think as like a more of a diehard fan, you're. I think I fall somewhere in the middle. I think it's good to be on the overly cautious side, always just for the safety of the drivers and everything. But like more to towards like let's just start it with a safety car mm-hmm. and then if we have to elevate it to a red flag do that what we saw in australia is them just go right to a red flag in a lot of cases like in the albon one mm-hmm. where it probably could have just been a safety car they could have lifted the car off the track cleared the debris and not had a red flag restart so i don't i don't know i think it's it's i think it's tough today i think because of it's all subjective on like what the situation is but yeah i do feel like you know if we have an incident if it's clearly something horrific like the i don't know like we look back at like the incident in Silverstone with Max last year, like the one uh, or two years ago, or last year with Zoe in Silverstone where he flipped upside. Yeah. Then you got to go red flag right away. Very clear. Yeah. Or if it's a multi-car crash. But like if one car has a shunt and is, you know, in the road or whatever, like maybe hit the safety car first and then mm-hmm. determine if we actually need a red flag or not. Yeah, and I think, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves and into this Baku race, but, you know, the, the yellow flag and the safety car event that happened this weekend – they did wait uh, quite they waited a, while. a long time. And so I think, yeah. I think that There's might just, be something yeah. they're paying attention to uh, and potentially going to maybe rectify yeah. it and slow. I would hope so. Yeah. Cause there. it doesn't, it just like very inconsistent, right? Like mm-hmm. the Albon incident at, in Australia, almost right away was red flagged almost immediately. Yeah. And, and then we had, you know, DeVries this week, he just sat in the middle of the road for yeah. what I what probably wasn't that long, but it felt like an eternity. Almost a full, almost extra a full lap. extra yeah. lap. And then they finally went safety car. So mm-hmm. I think it's finding the middle ground of not like being consistent on it. Yeah, definitely. And, and I guess, you know, another perspective to get here is when we go for those red flags, I know a lot of drivers have talked about the rolling starts and the differences between standing starts and rolling starts and how the standing starts can cause so much more drama. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, as a casual fan, it's fantastic. As a diehard Formula One fan, I mean, I still, I it's still, still love fun. to watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's still know? fun. Yeah, but especially getting towards you know the the very end of those race races where yeah. you know a lot of people say, and I think Julian Palmer was talking about this. You can't win the race on the last or on the first corner. Yeah, but but when you get to those standing starts with two you laps could. to go, you know yeah, you could that is where around. you win the race, and and something that's been. Uh, you know, it hasn't shown up a ton, but yeah. it's been very interesting to watch and, and definitely boosts a lot of excitement into the race. Yeah, I agree. Cause like even that last thing in Australia, like let's say science doesn't hit him. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Lewis P2 there. If he gets past Max, he definitely could have held him off just cause there was no DRS or anything yeah. for a lap and a half. Yep. And then you could say, you could argue yourself like, Oh, like on pace, he was 10 seconds behind the whole race. Like, yeah. and then just on this last thing because he got a jump on or whatever like takes you back to 2021 well yeah it's the same thing 2021 (laughs) like it's where it's like you just like then you feel like the person who deserved to win is like well okay like that's kind of like a mickey mouse win because like he didn't he wasn't in front the entire time and just because a crash happened at the end we did a red flag restart like Mm -hmm. he got ahead yeah okay and then the last point i think is is that penalty which we've touched on a little bit but yeah Thoughts on that? Yes, no. Uh, did he have the right to appeal it? Should have think been he, appealed. Yeah. So I think I think it's still you could argue like it could just erase an incident. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But let's just get past that and let's just say it is a penalty because yeah. it's something that they probably would have called a penalty in multiple. It's not like it's like, whoa, like why they call that a penalty? Like they've yeah. called those penalties yep. before. So like, let's say they do call that. I think he did have a very valid argument to appeal it mm-hmm. because they didn't count the lap. Like the logic tells you like, all right, well then if you're going to count as penalty, then the rest of the lap should have counted. Like yeah. he should have been in f- fourth instead of, I think he was sixth at the time at the restart because he was behind Alonso and Stroll. Mm-hmm. He should have been in fourth instead, and then if you apply the penalty or whatever at the end, then he drops to where he drops. But like out of the points, I'd still be out of the points. Like it's it's you got to be one way or the other. Yeah. So like either the lap counts and like that's what it is. Yeah. Or if you're not going to count the lap, then like there should be no penalty and you just run it back like it never happened. And it's not like because Stroll and Alonso both like neither of them got damage from it either. Yeah. Like it was just a spin and like they. When they re- did the restart and everything, they it was fine. They finished fine and everything. So yeah, I think it's it's weird that they decided to be like, okay, we're not going to count this lap at all. But like Carlos's penalty still counts. Yeah, I feel like it was one of those instances where it you know if there was no case for it not being a penalty at all, right? Yeah, that's that's a, a consistent penalty that they're going to hand out for yeah. for an incident similar to that. Yeah, but the effects of that penalty being that they're all bunched up from a red flag at the very yeah, end. Yeah, that but, too, yeah. You know, the the consequences of that action were in he, no way bigger to to, to how the race actually did. went. Yeah. And so I think that's an argument that you know, he has to make is that it's not even close to fair because that dropped him out of the points when he clearly all day, even at, let's say he had even gotten that penalty in a normal race condition. Exactly. He probably would have, with the gaps they had, would have still finished six or seven. Would have like, cleared it. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't so, have dropped at all. Wouldn't have dropped any places likely, at so. all. So it's, I agree with that too, is because of the conditions surrounding it that were out of his control, he got unfairly. Now, would you trust the FIA to make custom penalties in, in situations like that? Because I think that could also rise to very ugly decisions yeah that could i don't know it's tough yeah you have like i almost like do you like do they need some kind of like third party is like outside of everything that's basically like the like on those decisions the fi is required to go to this third party and the third party is just some random person that's mm -hmm. like yes or no (laughs) yeah i guess is there a situation where they just drop him a spot or two in the restart. That's what I thought too. Is like, okay, you get like how many positions did he gain? Did he do you, like so he gained two out of that? So you'd be like, all right, like you now you have to start eighth in the restart. Yeah. And like that's how we're gonna balance it out. Yeah. And is it like some kind of because it couldn't be where it's just like subjective. They'd have to have some kind of standard mm-hmm. where like it's like if you cause an incident, how many spots did you gain? Yeah. And then you just get the reverse of that. I don't know. That's that's a possible answer too. I just think yeah, it was too harsh for. How he raced during the weekend, like, yeah, very tough weekend for Ferrari, like, because of the Leclerc thing, but, like, signs did his thing fine and, like, drove the best he could with the car he had and everything and was a, you know, P6 on merit or whatever, P5 on merit, and then mm-hmm. just kind of got screwed at the end. Yeah. Yeah, just to touch on the, the Ferrari point, I mean, you know, signs is a little bit off the pace, but Charles has really been picking it up recently. Yeah. I think, you know, he's really starting to show that, Yes, he's disappointed in the season that he's having, but he's committed to it, and he's gonna, you know, do the best with what he can. And I think we're starting to see that gap between Carlos and and Charles maybe extend itself, and uh, maybe not in points yet, but I think yeah. we'll see it here soon. Yeah. So that just, I guess, just yeah, we could probably hop into back and up just one more point for for Australia. I think you know to, to wrap things up. Obviously, Max ended up winning. Um, kind of extending that championship lead at that point. And then I think the real interesting thing was, which we we kind of went back on this weekend, was surprise, the Merck's surprising pace there. Yeah. To uh, I know George got kind of unlucky with the thing, but uh, with the red flags and stuff. But Lewis was P2 the entire time and, like, completely on merit P2. And yeah. So that was kind of good to see. I think they made a step in the right direction. So. But. Yeah, they did. And then there was a lot of talk over the over the, you know, the break. Air quotes break. Yeah, uh, a lot of talk over the break that they were going to be bringing upgrades and and finding significant gains. And I think you know we heard a little bit this weekend that that's not actually something that they're bringing until the next couple of races. Yeah, but uh, you know a lot of excitement out of their camp, I guess you would say. And uh, you know I'm excited to see 
what they're able to bring because it sounds like it is significant. Yeah. Uh, not to say that they're going to be jumping up to Red yeah. Bull because significant doesn't even describe the gap no. that Red Bull has <laughs> on the rest of the field now. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how that goes. But I guess, you know, first thing to talk about with Baku, we're coming into the weekend, we're, we're getting there, we're getting excited, and all of a sudden the FIA changes up the sprint format. Literally days before. Yeah. It, like 48 hours before they yep. changed the format. Um, so the format now is incorrect if I'm wrong, but it's we had free practice one Friday morning. Yep. We had qualifying for Sunday, mm-hmm. Friday during the day. And then we had, I guess, for our time, Friday morning. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> Saturday was the sprint qualifying, then the sprint race. And the sprint race has no impact on Sunday. Yep. And then Sunday's the race. So I guess yeah. What are what are your thoughts on that format? Because I think it makes all three days more exciting. It does. Because I mean, for diehard fans, like I'm still gonna watch free practice and stuff and find interest in that. But for the casual fan, now you can watch something on Friday. Yeah. Which is qualifying. Mm-hmm. You can watch a race on Saturday, and it's like a nice quick race too. Where like you're not. It's not a big. If you're busy and stuff like that, it's not a big time commitment. It's yeah. Forty five minutes or whatever. Yep. And I think the exciting part about that is that. It doesn't affect anything for Sunday, so there's you're going to see a lot more, I think, in the rest of them this year, a lot more risks taken, yeah. and we did see that, which we'll get into with George. But yeah. uh, and then you get the race on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a step in the right direction if we're going to be committing to the sprint yeah. format or, or the sprint races, and I think they're entertaining. You know, I think yeah. they're good for the sport in the sense that they're continuing to bring more fans to the sport. Yeah, and they're they're increasing viewership on. May, what would be their off days, right? So yeah. uh, on Friday, you have the qualifying that matters. Uh, I think a lot less people are going to be watching free practice with a format like this because there's so much to look forward yeah. to. You know, you're still going to get the content that you want, but yeah. uh, for a lot of diehard fans, I think you lose some of that free practice. Luster, yeah. Really caring about Yeah, there's really, practice. that first free practice on Friday, it's like, okay, like I don't, what am I really missing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, going into qualifying Friday, I think a lot of people have discussed the the fact that it, it's a time where not a lot of people can watch live. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there's there's something to be said about that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still content to be consumed. And I think uh, a lot of fans and, and the sport in general enjoy having that. And, yeah. And obviously the FIA and, and Formula One want to move towards more races. So it's something. That, oh, it's more money for them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. I think having Saturday as almost an, a standalone it, day. Yeah. It's like a, a whole weekend in yeah. itself. Right. And, and the shootout was, was really fun to watch. I yeah. think Julian Palmer was talking about how it's kind of this in between between it's just too short of a time for two laps and just too long of a time for one lap. Yeah. And so, you know, the qualifying format is really interesting and, and it'll be interesting to see how the team strategize with that. Um, another argument is, you know, with the cost cap, is it, feasible to be doing this many races uh, especially with the risk that some people will be taking and yeah it's true and also if you're a back marker what do you have to to gain eight spots are getting points in the sprint race we know who those eight spots That's are going to be. be oh yeah you know? unless there's a crash or a dnf or something mm-hmm. especially in the sprint because there's just not a lot of laps there like the yeah. top eight is going to be the top four teams exactly. every single time and so if you're starting 20th in that race like you could even argue yourself, like, why even start? Why not yeah. just withdraw from the race yep. and just not even risk whatever and just, like... And we saw Logan Sargent and Williams decide to do that after yeah. after he, you know, crashed the car, and obviously they couldn't get a car on the grid. But at the end of the day, what are you going to gain? What are you going to gain? Like, you no know? one was going to... He wasn't going to get any... Unless you're probably... With the way it is this year, unless you're maybe ninth or 10th of the only ones where you could be like, all right, well, if there's an incident or, like, a you're safety car something or something, crazy. but, like... Yeah. Anyone 12 through 20, like, mm-hmm. why even put the extra miles on the car? Like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the extra wear on the car for for what? So I think that's the kind of the argument you could have against it is like, or, or yeah, or, you know, I just thought of this right now, but like, do you say, okay, like, you do sprint shootout qualifying and only the top eight even get to go to the race? Like, do you do something wild like that where you're like, because then you could get some some chaos. You could get where there's an incident with one of the top four teams or something where someone doesn't get in and you have someone sneak into the top eight. Then yeah. those guys are all guaranteed points. Or even just top 10. I or mean, even top 10 and the top eight get points. Yeah. And then you could have more battles and a little bit closer action and then we're not getting, I don't know, it's just, 
And the teams that aren't fighting for points aren't wasting aren't that wasting cost that cap. cost cap and that time. I guess the the only argument against that would be mileage, uh, understanding. You know, you don't have those free practice yeah, sessions to, to learn the track. But I do, you know, that that is actually a good point. I think that would be a little bit more entertaining. Maybe you have like two sets of races where yeah. you know one you're or, or you have that extra or, free yeah, do you, practice. Do you session have yeah? If, and you, then if you don't make it, others. you get the extra free practice session. And I guess, you know, Extreme E has something similar to that where they do qualifying, they do these races, and then the races kind of converge in this tournament style every weekend. And something like that on a Saturday would be really cool. I think it'd require a lot more track time. Yeah. um, And and a little bit more just overall viewership time, which I think is something that they're trying to cut down on. Yeah. The reason for the sprint race in itself. But, yeah, I mean, that could be... Could be a viable solution. I think it could be. I think it would be interesting, too, to see. Obviously, the top teams are just going to want to run the sprint to get more points. Mm-hmm. But if you're a middle-tier team, then it's like you're trying to line of like, well, do we kind of like sandbag the sprint qualifying so we can get more practice in because there's more points available in the race? Mm-hmm. Or do we try to get a few points out of the sprint race? Like, it could make things interesting there, like, in terms of what strategies people employ for qualifying and stuff, even. Yeah, yeah and I think overall this weekend, just hearing from – drivers i think the general view is that nobody really liked it within the pack. yeah i think this is just i mean it's a lot harder on the drivers right because like is. well teams in general yeah, teams in general like demanding it's more demanding and like you're more intense the whole weekend yeah versus having two free practices on friday the first one i mean you're just i could go it'd be like me going out in a golf cart and driving around like yeah. you're just coasting around there on the first one on friday you're just getting back into it um whereas like now you kind of have to like a little bit more emphasis on that Friday run mm-hmm. and then I don't know it's just a lot yeah it's a lot more on the teams and the drivers so I think that's why they don't like it but they're gonna keep doing it um yeah they're gonna keep doing and I feel like six is a good number because it's like a quarter of the races for the year yeah um it's like one hour every four you're gonna have a sprint qualifying one I think it's just gonna be I think it's gonna be the thing they're gonna have to figure out is like what six do we do it on yeah and it, I, I don't know if you decide if you do rotating to get more different ones in there or do you do which ones have the best possibility for sprint races yeah because in my opinion the six sprint races should be at the six tracks that have like you just look at the data from the prior year what six tracks have the most overtakes mm-hmm. those should be the ones you do the sprint races at like what would be the point of a sprint race at monaco yeah like that would be stupid yeah. but like doing this and they're doing it again this year like doing the sprint race at brazil like is awesome because like you're getting yeah. a bunch of passing and stuff yeah. so like i think that's the other thing you have to consider is like which six do we do it at because it mm-hmm. should be six ones where there can be a lot of passing if you're going to have a stat short of a race. The other thing to think about is, you know, like we said earlier, they voted on this and decided that to yeah. implement this days before the race. Yeah. <laughs> if, the, if this many people, as we've heard from the paddock, are against this kind of format, how easy is it going to be for them to just change it up before the next before the next one yeah and and what direction are they going to go from there because i don't know if many people really liked the sprint race last year to begin with yeah i don't think a lot of them didn't like it anyways that's why they're changing it up so yeah i guess we'll see what direction they decide to go with that but yeah you know let's go ahead and get into i I guess the the best way to do this is is predictions and and work our way through the weekend so we're gonna yeah yeah so we're gonna go we did for so, I don't know why we did this to ourselves because we just made a lot of extra predictions here, but a lot of more we did predictions for every single part of the weekend. So qualifying, sprint qualifying, sprint race, race. So we're just going to go through each prediction and then just talk about for a couple minutes like that segment of the race um, since for the most part it was a pretty straightforward weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the actually pre-leading up stuff was probably more exciting than the race itself. But So we are going to start with qualifying predictions on friday mm-hmm. um so for mine i'll just go through all mine i had lando in q3 so i did get that one uh and that's just i mean we heard about the upgrades they're bringing to baku uh and Lando even said this week that they're finally back to where they want where they to wanted be. to be at the start of the season i had one red flag which also hit right away because uh yuki crashed and then immediately after ghastly crashed uh, or no sorry devries crashed I mean, and there was two red flags. Yeah. Well, or, I said at least one hit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, and then for the quality top three, I had Max one, Perez two, Leclerc three, which I just – shout out to Charles Leclerc for – I mean, he is the – the in terms of one lap over Baku, the, the best to ever do it. That was impressive. <laughs> impressive. 
uh, I think you know he's really starting to turn it on, and I think a track that he's always really liked. But yeah, uh, it was really good to see him have pace and and be able to fight at the front because it's something that we've been lacking. And yeah, you know, I don't think qualifying is something where we often see uh, Perez and and Max go at it. So uh, it was a lot of fun to watch that, and you know, gave us some flashbacks to maybe 2021 when we yeah. were actually watching a close watching qualifying, a close qualifying every time. Yeah. But I'll go ahead and get into mine. Um, I started with my first prediction being Taylor Swift sighting in the stands. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, no luck on that. <laughs> no, I did make some actual predictions, though. Uh, my, my two being that two rookies were going to go out in Q1 and that both Mercs were going to hit in Q3. I think both Mercs made it to Q3. No. Russell's or no, Russell, that's right, yeah. in this one. See, there's just too many, too many here. <laughs> and then two rookies out in Q1. We had one rookie retire. Yeah. And then I think both Sergeant the other made it, yeah, made for the first through. time. Yeah. It's a tough, tough start to the weekend for it you. Was, it was rough. We were close, though. I mean, both of the other rookies were right around the drop zone yeah. for a while. Uh, and then And then they hit. And then Russell I mean, not making it to out. Q3 was, that was tough. That's rough. That was tough. And then my top three, I had Perez, Max, and Charles. Yeah, which, Charles kind of ruined the all our qualifying predictions were ruined by Charles for this. Yeah, I mean it really was good. fun to watch. Yeah, you know, great to see. And I'll take it. That. Could have been like a, a we could do we take credit for that as the reverse jinx? Yeah, I think we take I mean, credit for it. We take credit for the reverse order, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. So, uh, in terms of quality, though, yeah, I mean Russell not making it to Q three was kind of the only only drama. I think. Yeah. Seeing Sonoda into Q3, P8 was, was good for him. He was in good form all weekend other than mm-hmm. the, the sprint race incident. But, um, I mean, the red flags were... The red flags were... They, they were we were right back to like Aust- Australia rough, again where they were just throwing them out. Rough weekend for Alpine, just in general. Yeah, Pierre... I mean, Pierre barely got... He might have gotten like four laps in before the actual race on Sunday. That was a weird sight to see, too. Yeah. Just smoke billowing out Yeah, just car on fire, like... It was a tough weekend for Pierre. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, moving on to the sprint quality now. Um, so for these predictions, I had Lewis top five, which was wrong. Um, I think yes. <laughs> straight to the point. Uh, that was just wrong. Um, I had Lando top eight, also wrong, but he did make it to Q three. Yeah. Um, and then I had Max Leclerc Checo. So I moved Leclerc up one, and I thought surely he won't take pull again. Yeah. And sure enough, he did. Yeah, yeah, I mean... So, totally wrong on all the predictions there for me. Yeah, he was consistent. I'll give him that. And uh, another good qualifying. So, I went with Max on pole. Wrong. Williams in Q3. Right. Albon started. Albon started in Q... Yes, Albon started in Q3. So, that one was right. So, So I hit on That was your first one of the whole weekend. Bingo. Let's go. (laughs) You got to start somewhere. (laughs) And then for my quality order, I went with Max, Checo, and then Alonzo if they get the DRS figured out. Which they didn't. They did not. So I went with Charles. Yeah. Which, I mean, wrong again, obviously, as we talked about. So unfortunate for that. But you know what? That's what the races are for. So I started with Albon top eight. That was wrong. One Ferrari DNF. That was wrong. Perez, Max, George Russell, because I thought Ferrari was going to DNF. But yeah. But anyway, I got the winner right, so yeah, you know, one, Vamos Checo. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's your favorite driver, so that's we'll I mean, a little it. exciting. All right, so for me for the sprint race, I had Max P one, which was wrong, Perez P two, which was wrong, Charles P three, which was wrong, mm-hmm. and then I had one red flag, which was wrong, and then I had Lando in the points, which was wrong. Big race for um, you. Lando was P10 to start. Obviously, it's top eight to get points. He chose a soft tire to take a risk. The soft uh-huh. tire did not work at all. No. And he had to pit extra. So, I mean, just a tough tough start for both of us on the weekend overall. You know, one thing I think we should mention from the sprint race is the Max and George drama. Oh, that, yes. Yeah, we need to talk about this. That just went way out of proportion. Oh, my God. It's yeah. a it's a, a turn two incident. Yeah. That on was, lap one. That was a racing a racing incident. incident. Yeah. Clearly racing incident. And uh obviously big damage to Max's car we saw yeah. at the end and you know he was losing what were they saying? Something in the in the realm of seven tenths, seven a, tenths lap a lap or, or something. So. Yeah. And so that's why 
Checo won. Yeah. At least what they yeah. were claiming at the end of that race. And uh, yeah, Max was none too happy with George, who was out there, you know, got to give it to him. Second race weekend in a row where, where he, he took it to is him, yeah. sending it and, and understanding the situation that, you know, he's not going to win the world championship this year. Max is trying his best to, but Max has to keep it on the road. Yeah. So the more that Max tries to stick it in and, and the yeah. more that George continues to go for it, the more that Max has to start yes. to yield. I, so, yeah, I mean, everyone on the, everyone who listens to the podcast knows me and Tyler's thoughts on, on Max, but this is just, I mean, this is just peak. This is almost Toronto level stuff for Max here. Yeah. George get the apex, get the inside They're Even with each other going through it, George has the inside line. It's not like he purposely ran wide. Like he took the turn as you normally would take it. Max didn't want to yield and give the space up. And then it's a normal racing incident. Nothing else comes of it. Um, George gets passed. And then Max complains the entire race about it, that George did this, you know, move on him and everything. Then confronts him after the race. Mm -hmm. Has some choice words for him. In in an interview with, like, the Dutch media actor calls him Princess George. And then comes out and, like, the media pen after and basically says, you know, like, as drivers, like, we need to make sure we're leaving space, which is, like, I mean, come on. Like, Twitter was so funny after this. It was just all all the replies were just pictures of his car on top of Lewis at Monza or the incident in Brazil last year or any of the other thousands of incidents that have occurred where he doesn't give up the space. It's constantly, constantly just self-serving oh yeah say yes and it's always i mean it's just funny to watch because yeah. he's he contradicts himself constantly oh yeah uh if the if the roles were reversed he would have been max would done the same thing and mm-hmm. i would have had again i'm obviously more of a george guy than a max guy but like my reaction would have been the same like george shouldn't have complained like it's yeah, exactly that's a racing incident max had the apex like that's 100%. how it is like yeah. that's it doesn't matter who it is that's you can't complain about something like that. Like it's a normal. Yeah, and and in the same regard, let's not skip over the fact that after every single session in the sprint race, Max was on the radio. This sucks. This I hate sucks. this. I hate this. This format's terrible. Yeah. It's never gonna work because he lost pole. Yeah, he lost, lost pole, pole, and then he lost the sprint race. Didn't win the, the real race. So like all the whole weekend didn't go. He was second basically the whole weekend and constantly complaining. And constantly about complaining about it. about it. It's just a rough it's rough just, sight. It's a classic. Yeah. Classic thing, you know, we're used to it. We're used to him being on the radio yeah. complaining about something, blaming something, you know, the car sucks here, the car sucks there, those kinds of things. And, you know, it was the format this weekend. But right. let's it was, go ahead and yeah. get into the race. It was it was just it was funny. Um yeah. yeah, so getting into the race now. So we come into Sunday, we go back to the Friday qualifying order. Uh, you know, a couple of reminders for people you had like I said, we had Declare on pole. Um you had Max starting second, Perez third. Uh, you had Hamilton fifth, looking to make some moves potentially. Russell starting eleventh out of place. Mm-hmm. You had both McLarens in the top ten. Um, you had Sonoda in the top ten. So it could be some cause for drama, but we just had absolutely none of it during the race. So yeah. we'll go through our predictions first. So for the predictions, I had Max P one, which is wrong. Perez P two, which is wrong. Leclerc P three. There you go. Which was correct. Sonoda points, which was correct. Yeah, I had two early. safety cars, only one. Mm-hmm. So we'll take out of those five predictions two and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for you it. Go- <laughs> I went with Ocon almost running over an entire paddock of photographers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had uh, Albon getting points. <clears throat> Unfortunate. Didn't get points. Uh, rough weekend from Williams, really. I yeah, thought. that was tough. They seemed to be going backwards all weekend, which was they just fell back. Unexpected. I didn't think they would because they were just a slippery Williams, as we yeah. always say. I thought they'd be pretty quick out there, but they yeah. they no, kind of stunk. I think they were losing a lot of time in the in sector two, and yeah, and it wasn't helping their case at all. Uh, so I didn't hit on that one. I went with no points for any A teams. Alfatari, Alpine, meant to say Alfa Romeo as well. Uh, Sonoda. Sonoda got points. Yeah, it was rough. You know, Al- o- Ocon was up there for a while. I thought he was going to pull it out, but pulling off the no stopper, which I think we, we can discuss in a few minutes here. But that one didn't hit as well. I uh, went with Max Perez and Charles, the same order. Got Charles, but I thought another Ferrari was going to DNF. It seemed like one of those weekends for them. Yeah, it did feel like a weekend where, I mean, it would have been a classic Leclerc DNF weekend. Big like, time. That would have been a classic weekend. Big time. Um, 
But yeah, in terms of the race itself, like pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. We knew both Red Bulls were going to get past Leclerc. Mm-hmm. Um, the seeing the screenshot of Max going thirty kilometer out, thirty kilometers per hour faster than Leclerc on the straight yeah. was insane. Um, yeah. But they both got passed. Um, not really much drama. We had the one safety car because DeVries crashed, which, like we talked about earlier, took him forever to actually pull the safety car out. And yeah. because of that, Max just pitted before and then lost out to Perez yeah. and Leclerc at that point, which that kind of set in stone the race because he had to get by Leclerc. And then to me, though, there's a couple of, like, I think the main story of this race is Perez, right? Like, mm-hmm. by far the best driver out there today continues to dominate the street circuits. Yeah. Um, he got the gap to max and he held it between 2.5 and 3.5 the entire time he built. There was time where, and, and he built it up a little even cause it got a little close there for yeah. a minute, but he kept the gap and I got to give him credit. I think obviously Red Bull still in a league of their own mm-hmm. way out front. Um, but a great drive from Perez. I think I, I was concerned after Australia when he got fifth that like, Oh, we're going to lose this already now. Like this is, yeah, but he's six points behind now. I think we're gonna in unless it uh, unless it really turns. Like I think we could get a back and forth for a good chunk of the season. I'm really hoping we do both as a, a Checo fan and as just a fan of the sport. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that we need to have that fight up. Oh front, yeah, uh, to continue to to keep it interesting. And you know, I think the the real fight continues to be that third through eighth spot really with the yeah. the next couple of teams maybe third through six really is where the fight is but uh you know i think we want that kind of drama up front and yeah i think eventually red bull if this continues will start to implode in some way oh yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be drama but here here's a a twister of a question for you if checo continues to put in performances like this and continues to rival max on some weekends yeah. you know he can have off weekends that's fine i'm sure max will have some off weekends as well if they continue to fight each other what happens with daniel ricardo because it really know, is looking we, like he's being so much it looks like he's being teed up to to take checo's seat but they've also said checo's contracted for next year yeah. so you know where is this going i yeah so i think I'm just I just pulled the schedule up. So let's if we just look at the next three races, mm-hmm. and we just let's just say we keep the trend with the street racing going. We have Miami, which is a street race. Mm-hmm. Let's say Checo wins that. That we're we're even then, right? We're even on points. Yeah. Imola's after that. Let's say you give that one to Max because he's Max been good it. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Max goes back ahead, and then we go to Monaco. Let's say Checo wins that again. Checo. Back and forth. All right. So now we where. Uh, what are we, four in right now? So we're seven races in, so we're a third of the way through, yeah. and they're even on points. Maybe one's one point or whatever ahead of the other. It and depends just, on where the finishing... The, yeah. I mean, it's no guarantee that, that Checo's going to finish second or Max is going to finish oh, second Oh, no, I'm just, well. I'm just saying in a hypothetical world if it is. Yeah. Based on how it's been this year, which has been That's them finishing... Other than Australia, them yeah, finishing yeah. first and second every time. Let's say we're a third of the way through the season... And they're still even on points. Like at this point, if you're Checo, you're like, all right, good start, but like I'm still six behind, like a lot of season left. Yeah. At a certain point, you're not going to be as team friendly. Like both of them aren't, obviously. Yeah. Then do you start getting into like the Hamilton Rosberg type drama where like they're just, because it, it's just them fighting. I don't think it gets that ugly because I don't think, I like as much as. I don't think as, Checo's like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I just mean, I guess from Max's perspective, and, does it get like that? And Red Bull's management is so much more one-sided. Than, oh, yeah, that's true. Total to- was, was totally that. that year. They were just like, "Hey, like, do whatever you want." Like, exactly. They were so far ahead of everybody. Like, they're like, "Yeah, go ahead. It's not going to hurt to yeah. battle it Let's out. Let's have our bit. own race." Yeah, there. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's one of those things where I think I think it will be a lot. It's going to be a lot closer. I think in the end, regardless of what happens, mm-hmm. I you still have to get the edge to Max. I think in the end, just yeah. based on everything, but. I think it's going to be a lot closer, and I think it will be interesting if if we get through these next three and it does shake out roughly like that. If they're yeah. roughly even and we're a third of the way through the season, like what what happens then? Because like then the pressure, like last year at the beginning, Max was down, but like after like pretty much I don't know, like Spain last year, he was ahead by like thirty something. It would never like there was yeah. never any pressure really. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if we go back to twenty twenty one when those pressure the whole season, like it. 
it will cause a lot more drama. Got ugly. And it got ugly. Yeah. So, like, does Max get ugly again? Yeah. And does that relationship sour? And like you said, what does this mean for Ricardo? Because, like, yeah. Red Bull, like, if it's a normal team, like, they would just, like, duke it out and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Red Bull are so one-sided. If it's if Perez keeps it close this year in battles and potentially risks Max losing a title, yeah. <laughs> does Red Bull go, yeah, we're just going to switch with Ricardo because, yeah. like— that's enough of we, that. We, well, it's enough of that. Like, we'll have Ric- Ricardo will sit, gladly sit in second the whole time yeah. and, like, be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I think, I, you know, part of me also thinks that Ricardo more so than Checo has that edge that will get feisty if it That's comes true, to That's true, yeah. I mean, you even think back to... to Baku 2018. Yeah, literally Baku. ran in the back of him. Yeah, so in that regard, I guess it's... You know, are you really bringing in more competition? Yeah. Where does Ricardo lie with the But team also, and- does Ricardo say to himself, I can get a seat here in the best car. I can just give it a bunch of podiums and, yeah. like, have a great career, make a bunch of money. Facts, yeah. And, like, just play second fiddle. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, there's more, more to this conversation as well. I think it also depends on, you know, how far up is Mercedes going to make it? Yeah. Is Aston Martin going to stick around in that fight? Is Charles going to start to... Well, where do people qualifying. where do people shake out? If we just go further down the road, right? Because most of these drivers now are contracted through twenty twenty five or something like that. If we yeah. go further down the road, twenty twenty six is the new regs. Like, let's say Checo makes it through these next couple of years. Like, what happens in the new regs? Like, what if Red Bull stinks again? What if mm-hmm. somebody else comes out of it? Like, who switch? Like, I don't know. It's. I think it's. I think this year sets up a lot. Like, what's going to happen this year between them two? Yeah. Is going to impact the driver market as a whole, I think, Throughout. for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. All dependent on how close Checo can keep it with. Yeah. Max. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. One uh, quick driver point that I'll make is Piastri's looking pretty on pace with Lando so far. Yeah, he's looked good so far. He's, I think, five seconds behind today. Yeah. He started out uh, first two races not, not, not doing not too hot. Not too hot, but I think he's settled in now. He's picking it up. Um, <clears throat> Their car was much improved this weekend. Yeah. Um, obviously, for the entire course of the season, I'm not expecting them to fight for any. Like, two points is the most. Ninth is the best Lando's going to be fighting for. Yeah. Because they're just not even close to the top four on pace. Yep. But they're at least back in that classic Lando and McLaren spot of best of the rest. That's, I mean, that's just where he sits, where he lives. I, I'm not even convinced of that. I think... I think he's he's not in that spot. He's fighting for that spot. Well, yeah, fighting for it. Yeah, got a lot to fight through, though. I think. Yeah, Alpines are probably up there, and they've just been so they're they're they're, we'll they're see. they've just been like disastrous Falling start apart for Alpine. Like constantly. they just yeah. can't hold it together. But and I'm sure Alonso's loving it. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's loving it. I mean, he's especially from his perspective where he's at now. I mean, even today with how giving him like talking to. Uh, his team about giving Lance his break things and being like a yeah. nice teammate and Lance not wanting to, when you got a billionaire person on your team, they're like, it's, I mean, somebody's paying you somebody's good money paying for that. somebody to do that. Um, I've outside of that though, we didn't have in terms of race action too, too much drama. Let's go ahead to the, Ocon um, I think the Ocon instance, the last thing we need to touch on today yeah. and kind of wrap up with here. So, um, for those of you that didn't watch, um, Ocon and Hulkenberg, to give some context here, started from the pit lane, went started on hearts, and they were just like, let's just run these tires into the ground and mm. see if there's a red flag or something. So they get all the way up to ninth and 10th, and then there's two laps left, and they haven't pitched still, and you are required to pit, obviously, at least once. So on the when Ocon was on lap 50, finishing up lap 50, he was coming in a pit. The leaders had already gotten halfway through to lap 51. He was on lap 50 still. The leaders were on lap 51. Yeah, so he was the leaders had just started lap fifty one. They're about halfway around the track, almost a full around the track. Is the how far? I think they're like a minute something ahead of Ocon at this point. Yeah, so they're on lap fifty one. So, and I don't know how this message didn't get communicated to anybody on the paddock, but all of Red Bull, which you're really not supposed to do at all anymore, from what I could tell, but all of Red Bull went up to the fence, and then the media just kind of started congregating in the pa- like in the paddock, like in the pit lane, basically, mm-hmm. like within the pit lane thinking that everyone was on lap 51. Well, Ocon had not pit yet, and was yeah. just going to pit on lap 50 into 51 and just do the last lap like out of, out of the pits, basically, because ha- you have to or you get disqualified. Yeah. So there's all these photographers in the middle of the pit lane, and the way the Baku pit lane is is you can't see any of it's that. A until you, it's a blind corner. Ocon comes roaring in there, and there's at least 20 people on, on the track yeah. right there. 
And he was, if you look at the onboard and stuff, he was no more than eight, 10 feet from Mm-mm. plowing through 20 people. And I know there's like the pit lane limiter and stuff, but I'm pretty sure it's like what, 80 kph or something like that. Well, and they were only maybe 10, 10 15 feet, feet yeah. beyond that. So. so he was probably going 50 miles per hour at least yeah. at that point, 60 miles per hour. 60, yeah. And with a Formula One car with the giant front wing, I mean, he would have blew through these people basically. Oh, absolutely. And. I don't know how it happened. The I don't know what's going to come of it. I don't know who's like, because a lot of it was media members that were there. Yeah. Um, I would suspect anyone who jumped the fence, which would be the Red Bull and potentially some Ferrari people probably, I would expect fines probably for that because, again, someone still had to pit. Yeah. Uh, but for the, I don't know what's, I mean, it's gonna have to, like what's going to happen with the FIA with this and stuff because it's, I'm I mean, sure. you had yeah. all these media people just in the pit lane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see something. I think, you know, they were congregating around the Park Ferme where the where the winners and the podium positions drive up and, and park and, and they start all their podium celebrations, but decided to go just a little bit early. And uh, yeah, very consequential. I think it was something interesting as well that a lot of the commentators were aware of what was going on and we were hearing about it before, before we it saw happened. it. They're like, uh, yeah, because they're like saying in the box, like, I'm seeing people in the pit lane, but like, Ocon still has to pit. Yeah. And it was like I said, I and I think we and you were both confused because the graphic said fifty-one to fifty-one. Yeah. So the commenters thought he wasn't pitting, but because of how widespread the field was, he was still finishing lap fifty. Yep. When this was going on, so I I think you and I both thought, and I thought, oh, he's just gonna like he's gonna be out of the points either way, like he's just not gonna pit and like yeah. just be DQ'd, and it is what it is. But he did come in the end of fifty, and yeah, they were saying it before it happened, and like. Crofty was like calling it out like there's a bunch of people in the pit lane like I don't know how this is gonna go and then like you said Sky Sports panned to it this is and a showed it and said they did the shambles thing and everything but you and I were surprised that they even showed it live yeah because Could they were setting themselves up to show live like him just plow through a pile of people like it was they did not pan away and then they showed him come in and like I don't I guess there is a little bit of a TV delay. So they probably knew ahead that he didn't. They've been very good about that. I mean, they never showed any protesters that had run onto yeah. the to the track in live showing. Yeah, uh, they've never, you know, they've always been really good about keeping that kind of drama off screen. And you know, even with the Joe accident, we think back to the Grosjean incident. They keep that off screen until they're fully aware yeah. of what happened, what is happening. And that was, I mean, they panned to it live. They were reacting yeah. to it as we were reacting yeah. to it. As we were watching it, as it was happening, yeah. and it was, you know, they were they were setting themselves up for some very graphic material. Graphic but the other, yeah, because the I thought about the, like it's is it one of the things with Sky Sports like this is a like this is shambles like they said like mm-hmm. this needs to be shown like so the yeah. FI can't hide from this. And then the other thing is like you really there was no way it would have been totally hidden because the onboards anyone who has F one TV can get the onboards. Yeah. And somebody would have snagged that before they shut that out, Absolutely. like the onboard yeah. anyways, which obviously did happen too. And I, I it mean, is, I don't know what's going to come of it, but it, that was, it's an international broadcast yeah. that they have like the, yeah. you know, we just hear the commentators over it. So that yeah. was in, in every show and could have been real dangerous for, for it could have been one, terrible. But. Yeah. That could have been a disaster. Or but that was at the same time, probably the spiciest part of the whole Grand Prix, was, yeah, like, that was excitement. the most exciting part of the Grand Prix, and I'm interested to hear we haven't haven't seen yet. Like I'm interested to hear just like Ocon's comments on it, yeah, and like I'd be interested to go to his onboard. The ones I've seen had no sound, but go to his onboard and if he's like saying on the radio, like what are all these people doing? Yeah, I don't like, think he the, was on the radio from what I saw. Yeah. I think he, you know, and he had to have been more scared than the people. Yeah, because he's track, like really. just comes around that blind corner and there's 20 people in yeah. front of him going. Full beans trying to finish this yeah. race, you know, somewhere in the points. And, yeah, very scary ending. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear plenty about it coming soon. But uh, I guess final thoughts, where are we off to? Uh, well, I guess we just we didn't do this at the beginning, but what are we, what are we going to rate this race? Because Do we rate it as a weekend or rate it as a race? I think, okay, let's do both. Okay. So as a race, this was the worst one of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a race, I'm going to give it like, it was like a three out of 10 race. Yeah. Um, I would have said one because there was no drama at all, but the Ocon thing bumped it up two points. As a weekend, though, I give it an eight. I think it was a fun weekend. I think yeah. it's, you had, and I think the off the track stuff like added to it too. Like we talked about the Max thing and like 
uh, just all this other stuff going into it, the excitement of the new format and stuff and everything. And yeah, we did have a lot of crashes in the like a lot of incidents, qualifying. like in qualifying and stuff. So I would say eight out of ten for the weekend. The race itself, though, kind of stunk. Yeah, I think I would go for the race about a three point seven. Okay, <laughs> you know, I think it was a. Uh, had a little bit of spice, uh, but overall, not much action. Yeah. Love watching the track. Love watching It's cars a great track. Send yeah. it around there. So, you know, it was still a lot of fun. But uh, I think for the weekend overall, a lot of action, especially with our time difference, you know, watching the the sprint shootouts and, and the sprint race. And and 4.30 a.m. for us. Four in the morning. And, <laughs> you know, I think it gets a little... It's a little bit taxing, but worth yeah. it in the end. I think I'd give the weekend as a whole probably a, probably a, an eight. Yeah, right there with yeah. you. I think it was entertaining, had a lot of good value, but you know I think still needs yeah. some tweaks. Yeah. So we're off to Miami next. Yeah. We have uh, well going into this weekend, we had five of six weekends had races, so four or five now. For the next five races, good because we had that month off basically. Yeah. We're diving right into um, it. Miami. I I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be a battle between Max and Perez mm-hmm. for the win. Obviously, I think it'll be interesting. I think Miami's like it's like a weird enough track where like I don't really know who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. It is. Yeah, I think. I mean, if just thinking back to it, Bottas was pretty good. George was pretty good. The Mercs were yeah five six last year at it. So yeah, um, yeah I think because yeah, it's you got the long straight, but you got a lot of really technical bits of it too and like i think it's mm-hmm. where carlos binned it yeah i think it's going to be interesting to see like how the teams adapt to that like mm-hmm. what upgrades merc bring because they say they're bringing more upgrades and stuff mm-hmm. um i th- I think it's think i don't know i think it's a really technical interesting track and normal normal watching times for us it's yeah. gonna be not a normal time for us it's in in yeah. our time zone now so yeah i think uh i think it'll be good i think there's i think the miami one is you know, it may not be the best track of the season, and like the, but like it's a party. The scenes around and everything is fun. Like the colors look nice. Like it's bright. Like I don't know. It's there's actually water this year in the in there's actual real water yeah. in the in the marina thing or whatever uh-huh. they the fake marina. It's, it's actually real water this year. Um, it, the weather I think is going to play a factor because you don't know with Miami. Obviously, like they get weird spritzes uh, down there. For those of you not that don't know or for not from America, like there was like. Like a couple of weeks ago, like they had like a foot of rain or like twenty inches yeah. of rain or something, and the whole track flooded. Fort Lauderdale got. Um, yeah. So I, it'll be interesting. I think it'll. I think it'll be a good race. I don't know. I, I'm excited to. It's going to be very well broadcast here. Mm-hmm. I will say that it'll be a lot more around it. You're going to yeah. get some Sports Center specials. You're going to get some interviews with people you normally wouldn't see. Yep. They're going to talk talk about it more. It's going to be much bigger than. Baku at 7 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I guess my final thoughts are I'm just excited to get into race weekend after race weekend instead yeah. of sitting around twiddling our thumbs. Exactly. Not that we've been twiddling our thumbs. No. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to have some fun, watch some races, and uh, and learn a little bit more about how things shake out. Yeah, we'll see you guys in Miami. All right. Goodbye.